They are the mistakes, missteps, epic fails. They are the mangled messages, ones that probably will leave a mark on you and your business. Today, I go solo to talk about mangled messages and how you can avoid them. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. When I first set out the, if you will, editorial structure for the podcast, as I laid it out a bit in what I call episode zero, I knew that it would be a bit of a mix. Most of the podcast episodes have been and are going to be interviews with experts, people who are doers, who know the concepts and the practices, that know interesting, useful things to say about your message, the right way to craft it, how to share it, how to enlist a robust network of messengers, and how to have habits to manage that message and drive the right behaviors across an organization so that this thing we call managing the message becomes an accelerant, a way for you to grow, for you to stand out, for you to have a long-term advantage in the marketplace. But I knew that on certain occasions, I would probably do some solo episodes, Jim Solo, not Han Solo, where I would look at a certain phenomenon or example, something prominent in business or politics or the news, things that were a good practice, perhaps lessons we can learn, or something that was on my mind, or maybe something that was really messed up, how we can all learn from that and avoid making common damaging mistakes. Well, this is the time of year when we've been seeing different lists of the opinions of the best campaigns of the year or the biggest marketing fails of the year. So it's a good time to do a solo run on mangled messages. This topic I call mangled messages basically is a mess up. It's a mistake when it comes to messaging, representing yourself or the business. This is a topic I've written about, uh, written about the concept, the components of a mangled message, the implications of different types of them, and most importantly, how you can get around them. You can spot those mistakes before you might make them so you can come out with your messaging intact and productive. In the past, I've used examples from business, sports, even a little bit from politics, although that's just so easy to talk about mangled messages in politics. I don't go there very often. So here's how I'm going to set this out today. First, I want to talk about a mangled message, why it's so important to recognize and to avoid them. I'm going to go through what I consider to be the five marks of a mangled message. Basically, these are the most common ways that even a well-intentioned message can get mangled, can get messed up, can cost you more than it benefits you. These five components are not mutually exclusive. Sometimes there's more than one of them going on at the same time, and I'm not sure that it's a completely exhaustive list, but I think it's a manageable way of looking at potential problems and ways to avoid them before it's too late. So we're going to go over each of those five marks of a mangled message and the implications and then ways you can avoid them. I also have some ways I'd love for you to be involved in this over time when you see examples, what you think the lessons are to be learned, 
and ways you can share those with me, with this audience, and we can all learn together. But before I even go into the definition of a mangled message and the marks of that to get into the nuts and bolts, three important points I want to make. The first is that this can almost be too easy to use as a topic. See, what I want to avoid in our discussion on mangled messages is some sort of rubbernecking syndrome. You know what I mean when there's an accident on the roadway or on the highway and the passing motorists all slow down because they want to turn and look and see what happened. They're not even necessarily thinking that they can help. It's just this natural curiosity when you see a wreck, when you see something wrong. That sort of rubbernecking factor could be at play here if we allow it. We don't want to descend into that on, like it is on social media. I mean, too many people on, say, Twitter just want to poke fun and lash out because they seem to enjoy it. We're not going to spend our time pointing out others' flaws or mistakes or just staring at something without making the intellectual, the systemic connections. Make sure that you're not the one in that wreck and that others will never be just gawking at you along the way. The second point is a potential danger for us to spend a lot of time on mangled messages. And here's why. See, when you look at failures and risks and damage to reputation and business, for some people, I think it can lead them to be scared of sharing their message boldly. You can see the dangers and get too risk averse. It's like if you were playing golf and you're standing on the tee, there's a fairway in front of you, which for you non-golfers is where you want to hit your shot. It's the short grass, the real smooth, nice stuff. But there might be sand traps and streams, ponds, trees, thick grass, rough. When golfers lack confidence, they lose sight of the fairway and they just think about the hazards. You could easily find yourself so afraid of the wrong message, in this case, landing in the wrong spot, doing the wrong thing, that you can't envision or enjoy doing the right thing. So I don't want the implication for looking at mangled messages to make anyone more risk averse. To the contrary, what I want to come out of this, and it's the third point about you can understand where the traps are. And if you can understand some easy ways to avoid most of the problems that could lead to a mangled message, then you can actually be more confident. You could be more provocative. You can go out and even more fully with your team, engage with customers and potential employees and members and donors and communities, knowing that while we will never be perfect, we don't have to be perfect. And the big mistake, frankly, becomes really, really unlikely, except for your competitors. So with that said, let's break apart what I call the five marks of a mangled message. And I've studied over time where individuals, where teams, where organizations seem to have really fallen short in a way that hurts reputation and hurts the business. And I began to see patterns in the ways that messages can go wrong. These are not in any particular order of importance. Number one is not authentic or believable. I mean, these days when people receiving your messages can check the veracity of your statements by swiping their finger across a smartphone screen, your messages have to be authentic. They have to be true, believable. If anything you say is suspicious, then the chances are you'll get fact-checked and you'll get found out. Here is an example that comes from the world of politics. I said I wouldn't do too much in the way of politics, but this one was just priceless. It was the 
Example of Bruce Braley, he was a a Democrat from Iowa who had been serving in the U.S. House of Representatives and decided to run for the United States Senate. Now, part of his political undoing, see, he had this perception among groups of farmers and agricultural interests in the state of Iowa, very important group, that he was not fully appreciating them. And he posted, Mr. Braley had posted a photo to his Facebook page, an aerial shot of a really nice looking farm. And one would have thought that it would naturally be a farm in Iowa because he was from Iowa and running for the United States Senate seat from Iowa. But some intrepid Facebook users noted that the photo was also listed on TripAdvisor.com as the Camus Hall Fruit Farm in England. Perhaps that lack of authenticity was one reason that the campaign, sorry, bought the farm. Mr. Braley lost that Senate race. So, Jim, you might say, sure, <laughs> and there, there are lots of instances when politicians might not be authentic or believable. Sometimes it comes down to a little slice of lie with your pizza. In this case, I was thinking of an example in a story about Domino's that was in the Wall Street Journal. According to the article, there had been some issues with Domino's Pizza's smartphone app. Now, the app is designed to show customers in real time a to-the-minute description of the production of their pizza, which includes the name of each employee who is handling and delivering your order. The tracking feature has been really popular. It began in the Domino's app in 2011, and at the time of that article, it had nearly half a million ratings in Apple's App Store. So this was a really big deal for Domino's and Domino's customers. Many of those customers are quite interactive with the app. One example was a 24-year-old customer named Brent Gardner lived in Connecticut. And at times, he had used this feedback feature. He would actually send encouragement in real time to the employee that the app said was making or delivering his pizza. The turning point in his relationship came when a man showed up to deliver his pizza. It was someone he happened to know. But that was after the app had said that someone named Melinda would be doing the honors. That little lie from Domino's, at least the perception of it, had a... uh, a domino effect. Mr. Gardner was quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying, ever since then, I knew everything they said I felt was made up. Some of us might wonder what the big deal is, but in a time of increased consumer skepticism, everyone needs to understand that even a seemingly small error or inconsistency can have a big effect on trust. Mark of a mangled message number two, detached from reality. See, really good customer messages are largely focused on the customers, their needs, their desires, hopes, challenges. And when the message fails to recognize the realities of that customer's world, then you unwittingly create friction in the relationship. Here's a really simple, commonplace example. A while back, I had ordered some uh, lounge chairs to go around a pool from a really nice high-end catalog retailer. So they arrived flat-packed, ready to assemble. All the pieces were there. And then there were the instructions. Oh my, the instructions were horrid. (laughs) No actual words. There was no indication of sequence. There were poor illustrations. 
it was really illegible. Eventually, I figured it out myself, uh, not claiming to be the handiest guy on the planet, but the instruction sheet was completely detached from the reality of the person who has to use or act on that information. I wonder about someone who had maybe no experience assembling a piece of furniture like this or had some physical limitation of what it would be like for them. And there was no way to contact the company on here at all. Basically, this last little piece of the customer experience wound up sending the message that, hey, you're not thinking about me. You only care about shipping product out the door and not whether I can use it at my home. You have to think about the reality of what the customer wants to do and whether your message is helping them to do it or if it's just getting in the way. Mark of a mangled message number three. Focused on the sender, not the receiver. We all like to talk about what we know best, what we're most comfortable with. And that means that most of the time, we lean toward talking about ourselves, our company, and the products or services that we're very familiar with. Unfortunately, that can make us sound like the boring person who sits next to you on an airplane and launches into his or her life story. For example, in one of the hotel chains that I wind up using the most, there are these messages in the room that if you're going to be staying there for multiple nights, asking whether you might reuse towels or linens. Although consumer research shows that a message of social proof is the most effective, this particular hotel chain has on their card this headline, like we care for you, we care for our planet. Now, this chain could change a few words in this message and get much higher compliance with their request to reuse towels. But this is a message that is all about me. And there's very little mention of value for the message receiver. Mark of a mangled message number four. When your message is delivered inconsistently between your website, in person, or other different channels of communication, well, the message gets weakened. If the call center is detached from the website, which is detached from retail locations and the Facebook page, then the message gets mangled. For example, for months, my local dry cleaner had a sign on the counter which said, having fun while we're getting it done. And then it had a plea to like them on Facebook. Now, that message, having fun while we're getting it done, basically bore little resemblance to my usual customer experience, which was fine. But most of the young employees at the counter kind of go through the motions. The crew in the back is normally silent. That's okay. As a customer, I care more about my getting it done than their having fun. But later, I noticed that the sign had been removed. When I asked one of the employees about it, she rolled her eyes, smiled, and said, yeah, we used to laugh about that here. No one cared. It was very inconsistent. The sign on the counter and the human beings behind the counter. Mark of a mangled message number five, not conveyed skillfully. When the message is shared by the wrong spokesperson or the messenger is not equipped to carry it out well, well, mangling can happen. And sometimes people are just tone deaf. There's the sensitive issue of whether promotions should be part of, say, remembrances of 9-11. Some brand messages recently on September 11th were 
just crass. For example, a lingerie marketer tweeted, remembering those who lost their lives on September 11, 2001. And then in all caps, 40% off end of summer clearance is a sober, thoughtful remembrance of an American tragedy really consistent with a clearance sale on lingerie? The person who put together those messages was just not equipped with the skill or the judgment to represent the company. So there are my five marks of a mangled message. Not authentic or believable, detached from reality, focused on the sender, delivered inconsistently, or not conveyed skillfully. Now, a few of you particularly discerning listeners, which may be all of you, might be thinking, hey, Jim, you have laid out this three-legged stool of messaging, and then you've got five marks of a mangled message. Are those things connected? Well, I think they are, even if not absolutely perfectly. So if you look at the marks of something being not authentic or believable, detached from reality, and focused on the sender, I believe all three of those are fundamentally problems with the message, which is one leg of the stool. When it's delivered inconsistently, it's probably an issue with management, which is a second leg of the stool. And then finally, when not conveyed skillfully, well, that seems to be a messenger problem, which is the third leg of the stool. So we've gone over what a mangled message is, the value in examining those, to not get afraid, not to be more risk averse about sharing your message. Actually, the counter of that, identifying where the risks and potential exposures are will help you be able to deal with those ahead of time. It can make you more confident, certainly more confident than many of your competitors out there in the marketplace. Going forward, I'd love to get your involvement, your ideas, particularly in this area of mangled messages. This is something that all of us as producers, consumers, service providers, regardless of industry, we're subjected to hundreds, if not thousands of messages all the time, every day, and you tend to know the good from the really bad. A lot of the bad is just uninteresting, misplaced, irrelevant, and that gets ignored. But then there are those that are truly mangled, and they could damage you. When you notice those sorts of examples, I hope you want to share those here in this community of message managers and tell us what you think. Which of the marks of a mangled message would this one represent? Maybe more than one. What could they have done differently? What should they have done differently? And any lessons that you have taken away for your organization and others can take away for theirs. When you see something that you think might be a mangled message, please share it either in the contact information on my website jimcarr.com, K-A-R-R-H, or just send an email directly to me, jim at jimcarr.com. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you're referring to, what you make of it, and what you think might be the lessons learned. As we go along, I'll share those good ideas. I can do so with or without your name. You just let me know. We'll put them on the show in subsequent episodes. I hope you've enjoyed my first Jim Solo episode here. You find it useful. Most of our episodes, again, will be expert interviews. I hope that overall the podcast itself is something that you're finding interesting and useful. I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review. The five-star reviews, well, those are the ones that, that really help other professionals be able to find us. And your comments, reviews, ideas, suggestions for guests and topics are welcome. 
I would be very grateful for you to be able to do that as we continue to grow the program and its value to lots, lots more message managers. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcarr.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.